Well, welcome everyone. Uh, Christmas is about good news. Uh, isn't that what the angel said to the shepherds? I bring you good news, a great joy that will be for all the people. And for 2,000 years, followers of Jesus throughout the world have echoed the angel's announcement. Good news, the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, has come to earth. But you know, you might well ask, why exactly would that be good news? Most of the time, a surprise visit from an authority figure at the end of the day is not good news. If you're in school, say middle school, high school, it's your last class of the day, you're thinking about what you're going to do this afternoon or this weekend, and 10 minutes before the class ends, the principal walks in and says, I want you to come to my office. I have some news, an important message for you. <coughs> or if you're finishing up at work on a Friday afternoon and you get a message from HR, I need to talk with you before you leave today. We have some news for you. Or if you're sleeping peacefully in your bed, it's the middle of the night, and you're awakened by an insistent knocking on your door, and you look outside and see two uniformed police officers. In all these cases, we don't usually think, what great news. We feel afraid, apprehensive. That's exactly how the shepherds felt when the angels first appeared to them. They were terrified. It didn't feel like good news. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I do bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Now when the shepherds heard that word Savior, they would have been reminded of the most powerful authority figure in their world, the Roman Emperor Caesar Augustus. In fact, Caesar called himself Savior and Lord. Caesar promised salvation for those within his empire, peace within, protection from enemies without, but of course Caesar's salvation always came at a price of endless wars and high taxes and a notoriously brutal police force. And so in the ancient world, you were generally better off <coughs> if Caesar or his agents did not show up in your backyard in the middle of the night. But the angel announced that a new savior, a new lord, a new king had arrived. A savior greater than Caesar and a lord higher than every other authority. You know, that word Messiah or Christ uh, means anointed one. It referred to Israel's long-awaited king, the one whom the prophets had spoken of and whom the people had hoped for for centuries. And then the angel told the shepherds, here's how you can find this new king. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now, wait a minute. A manger is a feeding trough for animals. What king decides to spend the night in a feeding trough for animals? Another surprising thing. Now, I know some people who have beloved pets. Right? Usually dogs or cats that they allow sometimes to climb up into the bed and share the warmth and snuggle. 
In other words, the pets get to share in some of the human comforts. But I don't know anyone who willingly leaves the comfort of their own bed to sleep in a dog crate <laughs> or in a barn in the middle of winter in New England. I mean, think about it this way. When rich and famous people come to Connecticut, where do they stay? Maybe down in Fairfield County, where most of the other rich and famous people in Connecticut live. Maybe in West Hartford, there's lots of good restaurants there. Maybe in a historic, quiet bed and breakfast in Litchfield County or in the quiet corner. Right, by and large, rich and famous people expect to get the best that this world can offer. They expect to be treated well. But when Jesus, the Son of God, came to earth, he didn't get the best this world had to offer. He wasn't born in a palace. He wasn't dressed in royal robes. He was wrapped in ordinary bands of cloth, just like almost every other baby would have been. And he was laid in a manger. Now, the manger might have been located in a barn or in a cave. There's certainly uh, artistic <coughs> renderings that portray it that way. But most likely, it was just a lean-to on the side of a one- or two-room house. That's what most people lived in back in the day. The people would gather around in inside, and there'd be another lean-to on the side of the house for any animals. But that night, the house was too full, too many guests. And so Mary and Joseph improvised. A feeding trough with some hay in it, and the lean-to would be a little quieter and about as comfortable as they could make it. And that's where King Jesus was laid. You see, Jesus came to earth to be a completely different kind of king. He didn't come to get the best this world had to offer. Later on, he would say, I came not to be served, but to serve. And ultimately, to give his life, he came to give his life as a ransom for others. You know, this same pattern continued throughout Jesus' life. Jesus didn't just spend time with powerful and rich and famous people. He spent time also with ordinary people, with hurting people, with people whose lives were messy and broken. Jesus himself was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Jesus was betrayed by a friend. He was abandoned by most of his followers. He was falsely accused by the religious establishment. He was beaten and mocked by soldiers and crowds. He was finally nailed to a cross and left there to die. Jesus didn't get the best this world has to offer. In fact, he seemed to get the worst. And yet in taking our worst, Jesus gave us his best. You see, Caesar and his officials would punish and kill people who offended him and disobeyed the law. That's what every government does at some level. It punishes lawbreakers. But Jesus died to forgive people who had offended him and disobeyed the law of God. You see, unlike other leaders, Jesus didn't come to demand and receive the best that we could offer him. He came to take our worst and give us his best. He came to shine our light into our he came to shine his light into our deepest darkness. He came to bring his peace in the midst of our chaos and confusion. He took our guilt and our shame when he died on the cross so that we might receive his forgiveness and life. More than anything else, that's why the message of Christmas 
is truly good news. You know, 2,000 years ago, Jesus entered into this world as a baby. And today, the same Jesus wants to enter into each of our lives. He invites each of us to receive him and to rejoice in him as our King, as our Savior, as our Lord. I wonder how do you respond to that invitation? I think for some people, many people, the idea of receiving Jesus as a King might feel threatening. If you've seen or experienced the abuse of authority, the idea of surrendering to an all-powerful God might feel oppressive or unsafe. But if God came to earth in the person of Jesus, if he willingly became vulnerable and poor, if he came not to be served but to serve, even to the point of laying down his life, could you trust that kind of God? Jesus wasn't like the mainstream political or religious leaders of his day. Or perhaps this whole story might seem ridiculous. You might think, isn't this just a fairy tale? I mean, how, how could an intelligent, thoughtful person really believe that all this really happened? Really born of a virgin? But if that's you, you're not alone. Notice that the shepherds in the story had questions too. They didn't immediately believe. It didn't all come together immediately in their minds. They, but they did say, let's go and see what this is really all about. And so let me challenge you. If this sounds ridiculous or implausible or hard to believe, let me challenge you to take a closer look at what really happened. Uh, downstairs, uh, where we'll have our reception, there's also a table with several books. Uh, many of them answer common questions about Christianity, and as uh, everyone can feel free to take one home with them if you would like as our gift to you. Um, also, we encourage you to come back and join us. Uh, next Sunday, We, whether you're skeptical, whether you're curious, or whether you're convinced, what we do when we gather here is to take time to look at these stories and consider, are they really true, and what difference do they make? So perhaps the, the idea of receiving Jesus feels, might feel threatening or it might seem uh, unlikely. But perhaps the idea of receiving Jesus as king feels embarrassing. Right? Some of us might feel that way. If a distinguished guest showed up at our house when we get home this evening, when we're not expecting company, if the king of the universe knocked on your door and said, I'm here to pay you a surprise visit, your first instinct might be hide in the closet. Hope he doesn't think anybody's really home. But again, Jesus came to dwell with us in the midst of our ordinary and even our messy lives. Don't run away from him. Open the door and let him in. Enter then, O Christ most holy. Make a Christmas in my heart. Make a heaven of my manger. It is heaven where thou art. Finally, let me challenge those of us who have receive Jesus as King and Savior. Let's not simply rush through this holiday season and get focused on a zillion other things. But let's do what Mary did in the story. It says Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. So let me invite us to receive and rejoice in him in a new and fresh way. The King and Savior of the world.
Let me pray. Lord Jesus, as you came into this world 2,000 years ago, we pray that you would come into our lives. Surprise us with your mercy, with your grace, and with your hope. We pray this in your name. Amen. 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 Uh, please stand with me. Uh, say our next carol together. A little time